Please listen carefully. And now, live from the Arboretum in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two droids that someone's probably looking for, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. Mikey over here. And today we're continuing our Head of the Helm series. We were on a little break with all our Acon coverage, and we hope you enjoyed that. But now we're back to regularly scheduled programming. Now back, yes. But Acon was wonderful, and we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we had a good time out there. So Yeah, we had a good time. If you guys know about any conventions or anything you think we should go to or cover, let us know and uh, give us a shout. We'll hit it out. So... Without further ado, we're back to Head of the Helm. Back in space. And uh, so, so far, uh, just to recap, we picked our ships. We picked the pilots to fly them. We picked the engineers to fix them. We picked the security officers to protect them. Uh, We picked our medical officers to make sure everyone's healthy and happy. Healthy and whole. And now we're picking something fun, which was actually a suggestion from a listener. There you go. Who's actually one of our friends, Ralph? <laughs> but it was uh, he did suggest he thinks we should talk about robots, robots, robots. Yeah, some people say robots. I think it's British, so we'll be a little bit fancy and we'll we'll say robots every once in a while. Robots. But it is a good suggestion because most sci-fi crews do, in fact, have a robot. It's true. It is a vital role in the crew and. Man, I was having a blast picking these out because there are so many robots. There are so many robots. So, just some of our criteria. We're going for all mechanical everything. So you're probably not going to see any any cyborg. Cy, a cyborg is basically a robot with human parts or yep. a human with robot parts. Half meat bag, half electronic. But any any bit of meat in it usually makes sci-fi <laughs> people... No, I'm just... It I usually pushes sci-fi people to say it's a cyborg. True. So there are some cyborgs that I would have loved to have on the crew. Yep. Like Alita Battle Angel, but... She's not a robot. She's almost all robot, but there's a human brain in there. Ah, yes. Too much organic. So, Mikey. Yes. What's your first choice, or third choice technically, Yes. of robot for the Voyager with the crazy crew? Voyager with the crazy crew, just to recap, it is a crew of misfits. I got Rocket Raccoon, Amos Burton from The Expanse, uh, Bones, Carl Urban variant from Star Trek, all aboard the USS Voyager, with Odo, my shapeshifter. So... To go along with that theme, third pick, almost top pick, is going to be, he's going to show up on the ship, he's going to see my crew, and he goes, he's going to say, ah, we're boned. And that would be <laughs> Bender Bending Rodriguez. Oh, yes. Formerly known as Bender. You should probably recognize that name. Bender is voiced by John DiMaggio. He's the cartoon robot from Futurama. Yeah, Futurama. I think we've talked around, but talk people's ear off about Futurama enough that they kind of know what we're referencing here. I hope so. You should know what Futurama is. But Bender is the robot for all other robots. He is the one robot mm. in Futurama with the free will chip, so he gets to think for himself and be be his own man. And because he can do that, he chooses to be kind of a jerk, kind of a <laughs> kind of a curmudgeon, kind of does what he wants regardless of the consequences or what anybody says. But he is a loyal friend. You can just ask Philip J. Fry. He's Bender's loyal friend. They have many adventures together. Yep. 
but Bender's great. He smokes cigars. He's got retractable limbs. He's got sort of the magic chest of cabinets in his chest cavity in that he can open it up and there's sort of whatever he wants to be in there is in there because I think they've done four <laughs> or five visual gags on Bender where they've opened it up and it's like the lost treasure of a city or it's like <laughs> mechanical gear works that seem way more involved than what's actually in Bender. He has a chest of holding. Yes, exactly. And unlimited potential. So that's the main qualification for that is just be like, Bender, we need this. And he can open up his chest and be like, ah, I got it, but it's going to cost you $20, something like that. That's a pretty good Bender. Uh, John DiMaggio is one of the greatest. I try not to slander him by trying to do that voice. But yeah, Bender, he's he fits in my usual role of being a curmudgeon. I like curmudgeon people, especially in my media, because it makes for conflict and fun little situations, especially in space. But... Bender is sort of a selfish jerk, so <laughs> he works really well on the uh, Planet Express team. Not sure how much he'd fit as a team player as part of my team. And because we're going on, I'm assuming, uncharted deep space quests, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say, Bender, you're great, I love you, but maybe catch the next one. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> that's a fun character, and my third choice also kind of falls into the category of awesome. Yes, Love this character, but I don't think play well plays well with others. <laughs> Might not be perfect on the ship. So yeah, that, I mean that could work out in your favor if they don't play well with others because it could make for an interesting dynamic. But we are out in the vacuum of space. Yeah. <laughs> so for my ship, which to recap was the Normandy SR one. Yes, the first one from Mass um, Effect. We got uh, Tally Lintra, the A-wing pilot from the sequels, flying it. Kaylee Fry in the back. Fixing it. Samus Aran is protecting the ship from the inside and the outside, probably. So cool. And my doctor is Lucy Tapero from Mass Effect Andromeda. So, robots, my third choice, as I said, doesn't play well with others, but easily, I'm a Star Wars nerd first. I say it all the time. Wait, what? You're a Star Wars nerd? Oh, gosh. He says it all the time. Easily my my favorite droid in Star Wars, I had to put him on here. And people, oh, R2-D2, R2-D2 is not my favorite droid, nor is C-3PO. My favorite droid is IG-88. Ah, yes. And I've talked about him before. Uh, we talked about him a little bit when we are talking about the Mandalorian, because yep. uh, John Favreau actually tweeted a picture of IG-88, so everyone got excited that he might show up in the Mandalorian. Uh, generated hype, for sure. Uh-huh. IG-88 is the bounty hunting droid known as the second best bounty hunter in the galaxy, second only to Boba Fett, and I'm wearing a Boba Fett shirt right now. Confirmed. I see it right now. <laughs> so I like the bounty hunters. IG-88 is interesting because he did tons of stuff in Legends, and I was really familiar with it because I sought out a lot of IG-88 stuff, and there was a lot of stuff they did with IG-88 in Legends, and not to beat the horse again, but Legends canon, they switched it when they when Disney bought it. Oh, yep. And everyone, don't be angry. The Legends stuff is still there. You can still read it. But, man, I had no idea how much in canon IG-88 is now. They are using him in tons of stuff. It's cool that they're bringing him back. They're using him in all kinds of stuff. He's in comic books, in uh, video games like crazy. There's the Forces of Destiny shorts that they did. What are those? They're, it's like a web series. Oh, and okay. it, it focuses a lot on the female characters oh, that nice. are in it. And he shows up in like two of them. That's awesome. Uh, so... I'm not the only, apparently the people at Disney slash Lucasfilm love IG-88 too, because <laughs> he's shown up all over the place. So I have one random memory of him from like, I think it was the N64 Rogue Squadron game. No, 
It wasn't a, it wasn't one of the flying games. He's in one of the old school Star Wars games, like you were saying in yeah. the video games, and that's where I remember him from. Yeah, he's in a lot of the video games. Technically, the IG eighty eight that we see in Empire Strikes Back, where there's the lineup to go get the 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 famous bounty hunter lineup. Oh yeah, where Darth Vader's hiring hiring the bounty hunters. That's where he shows up. Gotcha. That's IG eighty eight B. Aha. Now in Legends, IG eighty eight B is IG eighty eight B because IG eighty eight A activates him along with C and D. Like a vampire? He creates so, more of himself? Well, so IG-88, and this goes for Canon Legends, there's a secret laboratory called Holloway Laboratories where they're making this war droid, basically. Nice. Okay. And in the new canon, IG-88B, and I don't know where A is, he just comes aware and goes all Skynet. and he's and <laughs> Destroy he's all humans. Basically, well, just I'm too smart for this, I'm leaving. Ah, uh, I got you. Type thing. The same thing happens in Legends, but it's IG-88A who does that. And then B, C, and D are all there unactivated, and he activates them. And then they, you know, launch a riot, basically, and get out of there <laughs> and then spread across the galaxy, causing trouble. That's nothing more fun than a robot uprising. So the Holloway Laboratories is still there. The self-awareness is still there. The going rogue is still there. <laughs> so I'm fine with that. But it makes me wonder if he's still called B, where's A? Yeah. And is there C and D anymore? And does he have an attachment to them? Will they show up later in your story arc? Yeah, I don't know. So he's super cool. If you, A lot of people just know him as the guy in the movie just standing there, yep. the prop that he was, and he was. He was, And we all know, yes, I know, I'm enough of a nerd that his head was built out of one of the... He's. Did you know that they took... There's a prop in the bar, the cantina, okay. in the first movie. Yep. The first, first movie. 77 Star Wars. <laughs> Once when I say first movie. Uh, there's a prop in the bar that's IG-88's head. It's in the, behind the bartender. I don't know what oh, it is. Oh, so it's some I, sort I of like drink dispenser something. or something? Okay. Yes. And then they used it again to make IG-88 out of that. So it's it's kind of an Easter egg if you look. Even even as maybe loose canon story, the fact that he's repurposed bar tending parts is kind of hilarious. <laughs> it explains his, his, his mean spirits, I guess. No. Well, that's the thing is he's basically... Instead of just destroy all humans, yes, he, he's like destroy all humans and make money doing it. So destroy go. select humans. Gotcha. Bounty hunting, and he's full of an arsenal of weapons. Not only can he just carry blasters and things that people carry, but he has a whole bunch of built-ins. Yep. He has like a built-in flamethrower. He has a built-in toxic gas dispenser. A built-in sonic device, and and he's got three six. That weird head has three sixty vision. Oh, yep, yep. He's great for a bounty hunter. Oh, for sure. And a great droid. But I don't think he'd be great with the crew of a ship. So he's ultimately too unpredictable and independent to really be a good part of any crew, I think. I got you. Kind of is going off and doing his own thing. Yeah. We're also working with, like, sci-fi robots are pretty well known for at least having some error in their programming sometime along the story. So if we can prevent, you know, just pick the safer robots right up front and take out that worry, I think we're on the right course. And the one thing, and I've said this before, I maybe on the podcast, I say it all the time. I really think that George Lucas made that one big mistake is he should have made the battle droids in the prequels IG-88s. Oh, that would have been real menacing and cool. Just Well, just because, or put them in there somewhere. If you didn't make the regular Roger Roger funny <laughs> battle droids, yes. you, he added like super battle droids and things like that. You could have put IG-88s in there somewhere. Oh, for sure. Which would add to why people would be really wary and afraid of him 
in the later ones. That makes sense. Because it's like a Clone Wars era droid. A, a warrior from another time right. that is still persistent. Yeah. I get it. But whatever. <laughs> I still love you, George. And you're bringing IG-88 back by talking about him here. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome third pick. A wonderful bounty hunting robot. My next robot, my second pick, isn't a bounty hunter, but he's extremely useful. And that would be, he's actually, he's extremely useful, but even though he's called just a rather very intelligent system. Jarvis? It is the acronym Jarvis, which is the robot operating system AI from Iron Man, created oh. by Tony Stark. Does he have a robot body? That's why he's number two, because oh. we're going to get into this, because that, that is the dilemma, is that he has no, there's no Jarvis body. Like, mm, there's nothing you look at and say. There kind of was. There is a little bit. So this is where we get into the Mikey Lose area, where I'm like, I kind of believe it, because Jarvis is an AI, and technically mm. he can go into any robot housing. He's, he's one of the arms in the garage for, like, part of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, towards the end of Age of Ultron, he gets put into Vision. He's yeah. what makes Vision, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because it's just the same voice. It's Paul Bettany who voiced Jarvis the AI, and then when they made him Vision, it was Paul Bettany still, and that was sort of their reasoning for how how they got how Vision has his voice because it's technically Jarvis's voice. Is Vision a robot? Is he all artificial? He's not all artificial. Okay. He's he's. He's computers and electronics mixed with Power Stone stuff because he's that's right the the Yellowstone would a Time Stone yeah um. Power Stone one of those <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad nerd right now I can't remember which color go with which, which label but Vision is the Yellowstone <laughs> but uh, Jarvis is an incredibly intelligent AI with the bonus perk that he's extremely sarcastic slightly British and still helpful but he'll give you he'll give you a little guff about it if you're not polite to him. He's like the Siri that we all wish we could have on our phones, but actually like <laughs> useful and has a purpose and performs what he's asked to, regardless of what it is. You don't hear Jarvis in the Iron Man movies being like, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you repeat that? It's like, no, robot, listen. So <laughs> that's Jarvis. He's able to control environments. He's able to control like fortresses and hideouts or ships. In this case, if he was on my ship, I'd imagine he'd incorporate himself into ships. But with that, he also has the power to control drones Tony Stark puts him in his mock suit so he's able to, you know, guide pilots from a helmet or pilot a suit remotely to help Tony Stark out. So he's just extremely useful. Yeah, technically when he's running a Iron Man or a War Machine suit, yep. that's technically his robot body. It's true. Don Cheadle just happens to be in it for a little bit. He's borrowing it. But that is the cool thing. Like Jarvis does save the day multiple times. He's the one that sends out all the drone mock suits at the end of the second Iron Man, third Iron Man, sorry, getting them mixed up a little bit. But I think he'd just be a blast to have on my ship because it's essentially like having Alfred the butler from Batman, who's also very capable and mm-hmm. robotic. It's And it's also the reason why Marvel made Jarvis an AI, because in the comics, did you know Jarvis was actually a butler? Yeah, oh, no, he, well, he wasn't, spoiler alert for <laughs> Endgame, wasn't Jarvis with Tony Stark's dad? Yes. As the butler. Yes. Yeah. So that's that they that's how they threw it into the movies. It's actually in the comic books he's actually Tony Stark's butler as well. Like mm. he's still alive as a human, but when they made the movies they decided to make him AI because they wanted to take away the illusion to Alfred and Batman. And they oh, said, We're yeah. not gonna make him a butler, let's make him a robot assistant. So he does have that history. He's British, he's sarcastic, he's extremely useful, he can take care of 
I mean, he's used to putting up with uh, Tony Stark. So if you can handle that kind of megalomania and personality attitude, I'm pretty sure he's pretty functional on a ship. But the dilemma comes in is what body do I put Jarvis in? So that that's the dilemma and puts him in spot number two because the next my next robot has a fully formed body that's awesome and it's rad. So got <laughs> got beat out by that. Jarvis, I love you, but you're a little too free form for me. <laughs> So uh, this just in from Nerd Central, the Yellowstone is the Mind Stone. Ah, there it is. That makes sense. It's in his forehead. <laughs> I know there were people going crazy. Yep. We had to say it. We popped that blemish for we, you. We did. We, we corrected an error. All right. My number two pick for Ribbit. Beep Robot. Beep Robot. Ribbit. Beep so my, my next two picks will go way back to childhood. So... I don't even want to discuss with anyone if these shows are bad. <laughs> um, They're classics in your mind. Yeah. My number two pick is Tweaky from Buck Rogers. <laughs> bitty, bitty, bitty. Hey, Mikey. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Bitty, bitty, bitty. I love it. Tweaky is from the Buck Rogers. There was a movie first and then a television show uh-huh. um, from 79 to 81. And... Yes, I know the movie's great, season one's great, and then after season one, it gets all wonky because there's a writer strike and things happened and like back was, in seventy eight. Yeah, that's crazy. It was okay. it was weird. It when it came back, it was gone, and then when season two came back, everything was different. Weird. Like characters acted different. Yeah. The tone of the show is different. It's and it's pretty people who kind of love and a lot of people like the later seasons with the bird guy Hawk. And stuff like that. But <laughs> there's some of us like me who were more enchanted by the movie in the first season and that it had more of a a fun quality. It I got you. Because it was more that was trying to be more Star Wars. Yeah. And after the writer's strike and it came back, it was trying to be more Star Trek. And those are gotcha. two totally different tones. Like, and they have their merits and I can see why people like both of them. But I'm picking Twiki from the movie in the first season because he's funnier and goofier and he's comic relief. And he's more Star Warsy. Yeah, well, no. So his actual designation is TWKE-4 <laughs> for Tweaky. That's awesome. And he's called an ambiquad, whatever that is. He walks on all fours? No, he doesn't, but he's called an ambiquad. <laughs> um, so Tweaky is this little silver robot. He's child size. He kind of looks like a robotic version of Joey Lawrence from Give Me a Break. <laughs> like with that hair. And if people don't know what I'm referring to, go you can go with Will Byers from Stranger Things. He had la he looked like he had one of those late seventies, early eighties bowl cuts. Oh yeah. But the, he was a little silver robot. Yeah, the androgynous Bob be like yeah, he looked like a little little boy. <laughs> little robot boy. He was played by Felix Silla, um, who's a little person who has been in tons of stuff. He's a veteran actor. He was Cousin It before that. Oh, nice. Um, But also he's been in Star Wars and Star Trek. Anything that a little person showed up in, Felix Silva was one of the ones they went to. That's awesome. And do you know who voiced Twiki? I do not. A fellow named Mel Blanc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, wait, uh, yeah. Hey, Buck, bitty, bitty, bitty. <laughs> that was Mel Blanc. That's awesome. Part of why he was silly and, and fun. To have a voice talent like that behind him. Because yeah. when they came back to the second season, Mel Blanc wasn't doing it. But then there was an uproar, and I guess he came. they brought him back. Ooh. But whatever. The fans get in their way, even way back in 1978. I guess so. That's awesome. Um, so... Uh, you might, uh, Twiggy was just, he was Buck's little buddy uh, walking around. Um, one of his main jobs was to carry Dr. Theopolis around. 
Dr. Theopolis was like this AI (laughs) who was in a disc or whatever that Twiggy (laughs) wore around his neck, and he was part of the Council of Computers, basically, who ran Earth. I I believe it. Yeah. (laughs) Because they were smarter than people. But it, but it was they were fun together and they removed Doctor Theopolis and the later ones. It's just there's so much so many stuff. changes yeah so many changes because Doctor Theopolis when Twiggy was wearing around he was super serious uh-huh. so he was the straight man to Twiggy being the comedy relief that's awesome so there was a lot of that funny dynamic going on and the fun thing was is Twiggy was trying to relate to Buck Rogers and Buck Rogers of course came from the space shuttle era and uh-huh. was frozen and yep. then is in the future. So he tries to use slang and stuff <laughs> to relate to him and stuff. And there's a really funny, there's a really early on, this might be in the movie. I think it is, but he, he, when Buck finds out that he's in the future, mm-hmm. Twiki like had brought refreshments and he gives him a drink and, and, and he's like, he's like, L'chaim. Like to, which is Yiddish to your health. Yeah. basically. it's hilarious. It's, it's a, an appropriate cheers word. It just doesn't have to be a, happen to be of the Jewish faith as a robot. So Twiggy's fun. Uh, he doesn't really do much but hang around and be funny. And he's a good little buddy yep. to have around. There's also a really fun video out there. I suggest looking it up. Maybe maybe I'll link to it on some of our socials where he comes across a golden female aspect version uh-huh. of. Himself, his okay. model. Okay. But instead of saying bitty, 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 she says booty, booty, booty. Oh, that's great. Booty, booty, booty. And they literally just, apparently that's their robot language. So he's like bitty, bitty, bitty. And she's like booty, 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 bitty, 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 booty, booty. It <laughs> goes on for too long. It's, it'd be like if Groot met another Groot. It'd just be a conversation in code and it only has three words. To it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just really funny because they go walking off and Dr. Theopolis is like, where are you going? And Buck's like, yeah, you better just. <laughs> they're, they're talking about bitties and booties. Uh, so anyway, Twiggy, I, when I was a little kid, I mean, this is like 79, 81. I'm five, six, seven. Oh, perfect. Watching yeah. this show. Yep. There's this little robot walking around going bitty, bitty, bitty. I'm sure I that's just ingrained in my head. Yep. I'm sure I was walking around the house going bitty bitty bitty, <laughs> bitty hey buck bitty 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 hey buck. And it's just I loved it. That's a, it's a, the first robot you come across. That's a, that's a good memory. Classic robots. I dig it. Because I think bitty, bitty. I I probably saw Buck Rogers before I saw Star Wars. Oh, so your original sci-fi. Yeah. That opened the door and then Star Wars sort of blew it wide open. Because mm-hmm. I didn't see, I didn't see a Star Wars movie in the theater until. 80. Gotcha. With Empire. Yep. So, and this came out before then. And there were, we didn't have VHS in 78, 79. Nope. So I don't, I didn't, I don't even think I saw that first Star Wars one yet. Oh, it's good to recall it though, because I don't think Buck Rogers gets the same amount of love that Star Wars does. So, yeah. Well, it's, I think it's great. If you, if you haven't seen the movie in a long time, I just saw it recently, Mm -hmm. the, the theatrical movie, which was kind of the pilot. Oh yeah, I got you. It's really it really holds up well. It's really pretty good. So the movie came before the show. Right. And it was in theaters and it was it's a weird time. They <laughs> actually put the pilot in theaters. Basically. Oh, okay. I got you. No real other recourse during those times, I don't mm, think. Yeah. That is interesting though. And interesting to hear about a writer strike. The only one I know of took place in early two thousand. That's yeah, usually no, what you yeah. think of when people refer to it. No. Nope. Something for me to go research and rabbit hole on. 
But that is an excellent second pick. But if that's your second pick, I've done my second pick. We are at first, first picks. picks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for my first pick, um, I'll answer the question that he asked right up front and say, yes, I am satisfied with my care. You can stop asking that because you do a good job and that I would be talking to Baymax Oh no! from Big Hero 6. Oh. So we are talking about <laughs> robots, and when you do think of robots, you think metal casing, metal body, metal legs, metal parts and gears and Terminator noises. Mm-hmm. Baymax is like that, but not like that at all, because he's basically a giant balloon. <laughs> he he's, is. A, he's a big squishy marshmallow. So plus one in Baymax's favor is that it's a robot you can hug and not hurt yourself. <laughs> it's not cold and unfeeling like a lot of the robots we've been talking about. But Baymax is essentially a giant robot marshmallow. He's got a big round head, kind of like BB-8, big fat pear-shaped body, mm-hmm. nice billowy arms, stout little chubby legs that get him where he needs to go, and a persistent need to care and fix and take care of and correct and right and just all good robot noble things. Mm-hmm. He, he follows all of Asimov's robotic rules, you know, harm no humans, harm no other robots, don't cause an uprising and put code in people. I don't know what the third one is, but it's something <laughs> like that. But Baymax was developed by Tadashi Hamada from mm-hmm. Big Hero 6. Uh, but spoiler alert, he dies and his brother inherits him, his younger brother, Hero. I know. And so so anime. They oh, went. It's great. It, yeah. it, it's, it's from a movie that takes place in San Francisco mm-hmm. because it's the futuristic melding of San Francisco and Tokyo. So it's such an interesting movie for Disney to do. Yes. I love that movie. Here's a little bit of twist on that. It is a Disney movie, but it's also a Marvel movie, technically. To further complicate things, it's a Marvel property, but not part of the Marvel MCU. Hmm. So it's not an official Marvel movie as far as the cinematic universe goes, but it is a Marvel movie because it comes from the Marvel comic book, Big Hero 6. And Stan Lee was in it, too. He was, Hmm. as as an animated cameo. That's great. But Baymax was voiced by Scott Adsit. Uh, Probably not a too familiar name, but if you've seen 30 Rock, you know Pete Hornberger who mm-hmm. is one of uh, Liz Lemon's co-workers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the voice of Baymax, so it's kind of oh. funny to see that <laughs> juxtaposition. But he does a great job for a part that doesn't really have many speaking parts because it's just a service droid, so it's only programmed with so many things of speech. The whole point of Baymax is he helps Hero grow up and mature and get through life. And so I want Baymax to be like that with my crew because, as I said at the start, this is a crew of misfits. This is your crew of outcasts and sort of damaged people i guess in some regards or another Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to balance it out by having one that's not damaged he's actually programmed and whole and (laughs) is is meant to be right and take care of others and also be soft and squishy so you can hug him and push him around the spaceship and play volleyball with him and stuff and you can fix him with uh tape true just 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 regular scotch tape speaking of patching him up he does have upgrades that he comes with which i'm including in my crew because he's going to be out in space he's got to have his armor oh yeah but what cool armor it is. It has wings. He has thrusters on his rocket boots. Mm -hmm. He has rocket fists that are super powerful. And then the rest of them is still squishy. So he's kind of like defensive mode as well. So that is an awesome first pick. I had no idea that (laughs) (laughs) Mikey didn't brief me before on any of these. That's, that's a really good first pick. And I mean, I could list his, his abilities all day long, like being able to learn Kung Fu, like Keanu Reeves and all that stuff. But if only just go watch the movie to learn about Baymax and you'll be doing yourself a favor. Yeah, if, if if that's one of those movies that falls under not exactly a kid's movie movie. Yep. 
It's really good. Yeah, geared for kids, but appropriate for everybody. All right. So if that's Mikey's awesome number one, what is my number one? So everyone's like, he picked a female-aspected as- robot. <laughs> there has been a trend. But I didn't. I picked an animal-aspected robot. Uh-oh. So my choice for the robot that I want on my ship from the OG Battlestar Galactica from 1979, the one series show, <laughs> one 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 season. One season. That's how much of an impact that show had. You can make fun of it all you want. <laughs> but when a show is, goes one season has an impact like that. Yep. To me, it's the Firefly of 1970s. Oh, for sure. I picked Muffet 2, <laughs> the robot Daggett. Yes. Not a dog. Nope. A Daggett. So <laughs> Muffet 2 uh, was a robot Daggett. Now, <laughs> what's a Daggett? A Daggett is it, a Daggett's a dog, but okay. they don't call anything the right things. Yeah, it's got to have They a don't good even name. swear right. Nope. They say frack. Frack. Uh, so, Shazbot. So horribly missing from the reboot. We, we won't talk about that. That's a rabbit hole. I don't want to fall down. Um, and so is Boxy. Boxy was a little boy in the original series. Yes. Uh, who The actor who played him would later go on to be Atreyu. Oh, from Never Ending from Story. Never Ending Story. Um, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about his dog, his Daggett. So I believe Ballastar was also a thing that had a movie pilot and then a show, I think. Yeah, it seems about right. Because yeah. I know they did something. Well, you don't want to talk about the reboot, but they did something similar for that, too. Yeah, where they did I, think, sort of test I think so. Anyway, the story of Valsar Galactica is that the Cylons attack one of the last bastions of humanity. Yes. In, in Copernicus City or something like that? Capricorn? Something like that. Uh, this is all coming off my head. <laughs> this is how much I loved it. Dig uh, into, the, into and, the wrinkles. And then they have to get on their space caravan and flee. Oh, yes. So when that attack happened, Boxy's running around, and he has a real Daggett named Muffet. Okay. It's an animal. Yes. Running around, and he gets killed. Oh, no. Like, debris falls on him, and his dog dies. It's terrible. And so they, they get on the ship, and you come to find out later, like, he's super sad that his dog died, and Apollo, being an awesome dude, is yep. like, what can we do to make this kid feel better? And he goes and, he goes and talks to Dr. Wilker, and Dr. Wilker has actually been working on robotic daggets because all the daggets died. Oh no. So I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Were the Cylons just after the maybe the Cylons are after daggets and not humans and they didn't realize. But if you like if you want to talk about a sci-fi trope that makes you automatically hate the bad guys, like, yeah, these bad guys wiped out all dogs. You're like, yeah, I kind of hate that person. I know. Think about it. It's crazy. How how did that happen? All these humans got away. <laughs> But not a single one of their dogs. They had it out for dogs. I'm telling you, the Cylons were going at they. The humans were just in the crossfire. Yeah, they were going after Daggets. They are the ultimate cat people race, I guess. So the Daggets uh, in the story served as pets, as trackers, and as watch animals. Oh, awesome! So he was making a robotic version of that, and the first one that he completed. They gave to Boxy to train yep. because he was sad and it was he named him Muffet Do. After the, his original dog that mm-hmm. died. And the costume is this goofy, furry it looks like a it looks like a robot version of an Apollo astronaut that's furry. It's so strange. <laughs> it's awesome though. Yeah, it is super awesome. It gives you the benefit, same benefit I get, because yeah, he's, he's a softer robot than normal robots. Yeah, he's huggable. That's great. Boxy hugging him all the time. the The costume, the costume was actually a costume. 
and dude, it was a costume for a chimpanzee. What? Yes, there was a chimpanzee in there. Okay, so it wasn't like robotics. It wasn't a little person. It was just a wild animal that they put <laughs> into a contraption on a TV show. Yes. I love it. Isn't that crazy? That, that, that's old-timey TV, and I love it. That's I know. practical effects. It's crazy <laughs> that there was a chimpanzee in that costume. But anyway... So not only he, so this is why he beats Twiggy because Twiggy is funny and a companion. Yes, but and so is Muffet too. He's mm-hmm. he's a companion because he has that dog thing, but he also has those other aspects: the watch animal aspect, the tracker aspect, and there's so many episodes where he ends up saving everybody. Oh, nice! There's an episode where they got they get lost on this one planet and they're running out of food and they think they're gonna die and. The dag, um, dag, I won't call him dag. Muffet too just runs off, and they think he's gone. But, yeah. And when stuffs the diarist, he comes back and saves, saves them. the day. That's saves awesome. the day. And of course, anytime Boxy's getting into trouble, there's kind of a lassie type thing that goes on. <laughs> Boxy's falling down the space well. <laughs> yeah. Come quick. <laughs> that type of thing. So in my mind, that's what makes him better. I got you. Then, yeah, no, then, for sure. Then because so, so you got your companion like Twiggy. But he can track for you. Uh, Boxy taught him how to sniff out squishies, which were like their food. <laughs> <laughs> and at, at one time, they're they're stranded, and they have to stick them through the the vents to go find their way. And he finds his way through by sniffing for the food. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah. It's like so, it, yeah. It's all the perks of having a dog, but he's also like a guard and a sentry and a, a robot and, and a robot. Hell yeah. So. Muffet too, man. I love the original Battlestar. People make fun of it. I don't think they should. I think you should go back and watch the original Battlestar. And like we always say, and we're talking to some people uh, about this when we're out at Acon, mm-hmm. is you have to put on the goggles of the time, oh, the yeah. goggles of the era. You have to put your. This isn't like the stuff now. You have to put it aside. and Suspend you have to your say, disbelief a little bit extra. And you just have to look at it for what it was in the time. Yep. And I don't know why people can't do that with sci-fi and nerd stuff sometimes, but they can do it with things like people watch Casablanca or, you know, um, those old classic movies. Yes. And they're like, oh, this is great. It's a classic. Well, for the time, it, it, it was great for a lot of people. I got you. I get so, it. I love the original Battlestar, and I love Muffet too, the Daggett, and I want him with the crew. Would you around. would you keep him in Daggett too or would you give him a Kevin robot name? No, Muffet too. Okay. Oh yeah, not Daggett too. I did what you did. I called him Daggett. <laughs> I know. You would, okay, Muffet so his too. Name, okay. his, that's his name. Fair enough. He'd be Muffet too. I wasn't sure if you were adopting him and as such you get to rename the dog. No, Muffet too. Fair enough. Running around the ship. <laughs> It'd be great. Doing his little rat rat that little weird robot bark that they put bark, on him. Bark 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 <laughs> bark. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So those are our robots. There are. There, are. there were so many. There were yeah. so many. Do you have any uh, honorable mentions? I do. Uh, Pee Wee Herman was the voice of the robot in Flight of the Navigator. Oh, yeah. He was little, the head that came down. Uh, Crow T Robot and Tom Servo, I love oh, you. Oh, yeah. You're hilarious. I'd love to hang out with you. Didn't make the cut. Because if you took them, you'd be stuck watching movies. All day. <laughs> but uh, that, that I guess that wouldn't be a bad thing. But they're horrible movies. They are. Uh, there's our, the robot doubles from Bill and Ted's bogus journey were in consideration just cause those are hilarious <laughs> and station, uh, K2SO from Rogue One. Oh yeah, Rad. I know. Yeah. I know. That was, one, that was on my list. 
Chappie, another fun sci-fi movie from the mm-hmm. makers of District 9 where they made a robot that could like essentially like Bender if he was an action robot. So mm-hmm. hilarious on that part. And then finally, I almost picked it. I couldn't make it work. But in Final Space, I talked about Gary Goodyear from Final Space in the, on our pilot episode. But one of the robots on his ship is a robot named Kevin, KVN. Oh, yeah. And all he does is like use flamethrowers and go around the ship like messing stuff up. It's great. So Gary's always like, Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> Get back here, Kevin! I know Mikey says that to me all the time. And it would just have been, like that. I almost made him third pick just for that fact. <laughs> Ousted by Bender. Yeah, like I said, uh, I was thinking Alita Battle Angels is a cyborg, so you can, but there's also Data. Oh, yeah. He counts. A lot of people don't think he's all artificial, but he is. He is. Uh, the, uh, the robot from the black hole. Oh, yes. And the robot from... Well, there's two. I like both versions. The both versions of Lost in Space. <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. Danger. And yes. then there's the scary one that's in the new Lost in Space. Oh, that's true. Aren't they? Yeah. Yep. So, those are some of our honorable mentions. But we want to know what robots you want. Yes. On your crew. Yes. So let us know. You can hit us up on the social medias at Assuming Pod. That's Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagram. You can send us a letter. We love letters. Send us mail. Assumingpositions at gmail.com. And we have some thanks to give. We want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Jazzar for doing our music, Not Scott Productions for our equipment, and we want to thank you for listening. Beedy, beedy, beedy. Beedy, beedy, beedy. Booty, booty, booty. Beep, pop, boop. Seeked out. Seeked out? Sought out. Sought out. Thank you for the English. Me, Phil, English? That? Impossible. It's lunchtime. We're all right. <laughs> <laughs>